You're listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Jake Start is the CEO of Hype Partners. And if you are interested in anything to do with the metaverse and Web3, then you're going to find this conversation to be absolutely fascinating. We talk about everything from the proper definition of a metaverse. I know there's a lot of confusion out there right now about what it is, the difference between Web3 and the metaverse, which businesses are getting the most value from it right now, and who will be the ones that are well positioned to do so in the future. There are all these new technologies out there that we, frankly, we need to all get a lot smarter about, because even though we may disagree about the timescales, one thing we know for sure is that the future is going to be Web3 technologies and all marketers need to get really smarter about what that means for their businesses. You're absolutely going to love this conversation. I learned a lot from it. I know that you will as well. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with the CEO of Hype Partners, Jake Stott. My name is Nathan Anibaba and this is Agency Dealmasters. Agency Dealmasters is a series of conversations with world-class agency leaders building great agency businesses. I believe everyone belongs in the growth journey, and this show is dedicated to the stories and the lessons of ambitious agency builders of all types by examining their history, competitive advantage, and what makes them tick. Now, let's jump in. My extra special guest this week is Jake Start, the CEO of Hype Partners. They are supercharging Web3 communities. In just four years, they've grown into the leading full-service marketing agency in Web3. With a team of 90 plus globally, they've worked with over 110 top-tier blockchain projects. Jake Start, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you on the show. Thanks for doing this as well to demystify what is a pretty confusing topic for me and I'm sure for a lot of people listening to this as well. So let's start with a quote that you said recently. You said, quote, we're building global first ventures focused on the third wave of the internet. What are the defining characteristics as you see it of Web3? When it comes to Web3, I think, you know, we're we're looking at what's coming after Web2. Web2 has been... Uh, you know, focused on social media has been a key component of that. I think, you know, mobile and mobile apps have been a key component of that. And then really like the ownership structure, ownership in terms of one, you know, party or platform kind of own everything. They own all the data, as we know, with that different social media platforms. And they've basically been able to monetize that and extract all the value for themselves. So Web2, I think, is very much characterized by that. You know, we've got the, the big tech companies, Amazon, Facebook, etc., um, and I think Web3, amongst other things, but a big part of it is sort of giving ownership back to like the people and trying to create decentralized systems where like value capture, so the value capture in say a blockchain uh, ecosystem doesn't all just go to the CEO of the blockchain, even though they also might make some money, but actually, you know, it's opportunity for everyone to make money. And that's not really what we've kind of seen with Facebook so much or with Amazon so much. We do have sellers but the, 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 most of the value basically gets extracted by the CEO of the company, you know, et cetera. So I think that's a big characteristic of Web3 is technologies um, that are going to enable like wider value capture. And then I think when we start to like dial into that, we start to look into things like VR and AR. 
um, you know, enabling sort of new visual experiences like beyond um, just being on a phone. So apps will start to be, you know, in a virtual world maybe. Uh, uh, alongside that, we also start to look at metaverse as a term. Metaverse meaning, you know, a few different things. And I think we'll probably get into that. And then at the same time, um, yeah, I think you have sort of like blockchain technology and NFTs. Um, and then ov obviously AI, which is probably as big as everything else combined, maybe at some point in time. And I think they're really like the next wave of the internet, the third wave of the internet. Um, and I think Web3 is going to be, uh, as, as a capsule term, is kind of all of those things coming together to kind of give us new experiences and, and, and new things we're going to be doing day to day. So if I understand you correctly, so, so Web2 is kind of characterized as like the 2D version of the web. So you could argue that the big tech players like Facebook, Google, Amazon have kind of dominated that space. And that's the world that we're currently familiar with and, and living right now. Web3 is more like a decentralized version whereby you're giving powers to app developers and individual small um, investors or communities to kind of build the web themselves without power going back to a central shareholder or, or CEO. And they're also defined, it's also defined by a series of technologies that you mentioned earlier, NFTs, AI, VR, AR, blockchain, a lot of things that, again, marketers will have to kind of start to get familiar with and wrap their heads around. Is, is that a fair summary of kind of what you've said? Yeah, I, I think overall, you know, even if, to put it into one sentence, the two sort of key areas would be, uh, you know, I hear a couple of people now calling like the metaverse the 3D internet. So I think visual slash 3D internet, that's one. And then the other one would be decentralized. They can either both be together or they can both be separate. So you can have the 3D internet, you see sort of gaming right now, and a metaverse that isn't decentralized. You can also have like decentralization tech that isn't about, you know, the metaverse as well. Um, but they're the two big, I think, innovations overall. Um, and that's how I sort of see it kind of growing out over the next kind of 10 years. And who owns, who owns it or who will own it? I don't think it really matters who owns it. The idea is no one's, ideally, no one's going to own it if we have a truly decentralized future. But it's about who extracts value from it. Mm. And um, if you look at, I don't know, like general society around the world, like the people at the top 1% or these kinds of people can extract the most amount of value. And hopefully with a decentralized system, more people can extract value in a sort of fairer way. Um, so the, the distribution is bigger. And it's, again, like not just a CEO or a president who can extract like the majority of the value. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we're going towards. So no one, no, it's designed ideally that no one owns it, but it doesn't mean it's going to be that way. Like if Meta create their Metaverse and, you know, that becomes the primary place where all of this happens, which I don't think will be the case, then they own it. Uh, in a way. And that's sort of like the antithesis of like what we're all trying to kind of build here, I think. Is Web3 and the metaverse the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of confusion right now. And I, I do hear um, these terms interchangeably. And brands are saying Web3, you know, sometimes when they mean crypto, and then people are saying metaverse when they mean something else. So again, like, it's probably quite not quite in the dictionary yet. But my opinion is Web3 is the capture all term. It's the next wave of internet technologies, which includes crypto, which includes AI, VR, and, you know, metaverse is in that. Metaverse is one of potentially the core 
call it a technology or you know core advancements that is going to sit underneath Web three, um, and that's kind of how I how, how I personally see it. But you will hear them interchangeably all the time, and you will also right. hear a lot right now that Web three is essentially the new name for crypto. And you know as we say it a lot in our space, but I don't really think that's quite true either. Let's talk a little bit about Hype Hype Partners, fascinating agency company that you've built in the last four years, four and a half years now that you've you've been yeah, around. Four and a, four and a half, five years. Four yeah. and a half years, ninety people plus globally. Give us give us an idea of what problems you solve for your clients, how you've grown um, over the last sort of four and a half years. What service offerings are you delivering? to them just just give us a, a an idea of kind of what the company looks like today yeah so to kind of touch on hype you know we started in in sort of like late 2017 um we started working with what everybody called at that point like crypto blockchain companies and the way marketing is done in the crypto blockchain space i mean there's always there's a there's a bad perception sometimes that people have an idea of like what's actually going on right and not everything going on in the crypto space is good but Actually, there's a whole new way of doing marketing and we've sort of been at the forefront of that and sort of a helping kind of pioneer that going forward. And really the focus at the core is community building. Um, so for all companies within Web3, you know, their primary growth function maybe over the next decade will be building a community. Um, and why? Um, because there's a couple of uh, areas to look at. Social media is becoming less impactful. You know, everybody knows everyone's leaving Facebook. And, you know, this is also going to happen to Instagram at some point and maybe sometime way in the future it might happen to TikTok. So social media is becoming less impactful. The other thing about community is you kind of own it. Like it's kind of your community as an organization. So it's much easier to kind of manage. You know, you don't own Facebook or your Facebook page. Um, another area as well is things like paid advertising and influencer marketing, like they've been huge growth areas for the last sort of two decades. They're also on the decline to some extent in terms of effectiveness. So paid ads is a saturated market right now. Everybody knows that. Uh, doesn't mean it's not effective, but it's saturated. And influencer marketing as well. Like, you know, everybody knows when there's a fitness influencer on Instagram posting about, you know, a, a protein shake. Everybody knows it's kind of, well, often <laughs> it's staged. Mm -hmm. So these have been key Web2 marketing growth areas. Mm -hmm. And all of them are becoming less effective. So what comes next? You know, our, our, our best community. So we see that in Web3. So that's at the core. And then on top of that, you know, we, we have a full service approach. So, you know, we offer everything from kind of social media to support community building, or we do different creative campaigns, which again, like all come back to sort of supporting community building. And within community itself, there are sort of three main components. So there are growth, engagement, and retention. And they're the sort of three activities. So, you know, you do some marketing tasks, to grow the community, you do some things to um, engage your community and get them more active. And then you do some things to retain them long-term. And there are some overlaps between them, but there are sort of three main components. And we, at least of today, like almost exclusively offer it to Web3, crypto, blockchain companies, whichever term you want to use. But we are starting to see a lot of interest from like mainstream brands, you know, mainstream consumer brands primarily, who are interested in dipping their toes into Web3, NFTs, or Metaverse. And essentially, they need to do what we've been doing for the last four or five years. And, you know, we can hopefully enable that. What are the principles or the frameworks that you're using to think about how to build a community? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple of areas. So uh, what's, you know, a lot of people, um, there's a lot of jobs as community managers, right, um, that have existed for a long time. 
For me, they're often social media managers. Um, so people sometimes use, oh, we've got community managers. They manage our Facebook and our Twitter. That's to me not a community manager. Um, and they're not community platforms. And the reason why is because social media, in, in, in why, say, this traditional sense, is one-to-one communication. So the brand talks at the audience that they have. So the brand does a post, we've just launched a new product. And then the audience might say, awesome, you know, in the comments, this is an awesome new product. And it's one-to-one communication between brand and person and then back again. Generally speaking, not, not 100%, but generally speaking, the person who's commenting back does not communicate with other people in the comments. They just do their own comment. They might tag their friend or something, but they're not communicating with other people in the comments, right? A community is one-to-many communication. So um, maybe, you know, like it could be on something like Discord or Telegram. If a brand does a post in there and they say, we've just launched a new product, then people may say, hey, cool product. And then someone else might say, hey, you know, do you have a, a login for it? Or, you know, have you seen this feature? And then people start a conversation amongst themselves and they're basically bringing value to each other, completely separate of the brand um, being involved from that point. So that's sort of a slight difference between a community and social media for me. In terms of, um, you know, like how, like why should you start a community and like, you know, how do you actually grow a community? It's not about just opening a Discord server, uh, which I think is what a lot of people think. But you've got to think, why would anybody in their right mind, want to join your community when they've got other things to be doing with their time. Right. So what is the value you bring? Um, and, you know, what is the culture or the environment that you want to create within that? And they're like two starting points. So every brand, I don't know, let's say a food brand, okay, or, or a beer brand. We've seen some of this recently. So like, um, let's say a beer brand, right? One of the ideas I had for a major beer brand recently was rather than just starting a channel for, you know, ex-beer brand, why don't you try and make it into, you could make it into like a craft beer collectors or hobbyist group, right? And then, and then the idea is that people join that to talk about, you know, different kinds of beer and, and you know, all different kinds of brew, ways of brewing it and things like that. That's a value add. Like there's a, there's a certain set of uh, people in society or a big community who are interested in talking about those topics. And then, um, yeah, that could be a reason why people would join that. Mm. People could get value completely separate from you just being the brand. And you, you're essentially just the host. You're essentially just the room that they come to do in. And that kind of like reflects positively back on your brand. So obviously you want to create a community that adds value in something that is relatable to what you're actually doing as a product. Um, but it doesn't have to be purely about your brand. Um, and if there's no value to, uh, you know, no value to gain from your community, Nobody's going to want to join it or nobody's going to want to stick around. I can totally see that. You know, people like us do things like this. That's Seth Godin's like famous saying for building communities or, or like-minded uh, places where people hang out online. Um, presumably there would be lots of different communities that people would need to need to grow. And you would need to have some sort of, for want of a better term, community manager to at least spark conversations, start conversations but ultimately, what you're saying is that in users will be talking to other users. That's how they keep the community live and fresh and, um, and keep adding value to each other. It's not an individual uh, hired by the brand to spark those conversations. It's the actual community themselves talking to each other, adding value, extracting value from, from each other. That's like, yeah, that's the end goal, I, th- I feel. So, you know, the biggest and, you know, most thriving communities probably have that. They're still going to have um, a community manager or a moderator to kind of, you know, police things maybe. 
but you, you don't start there. And, and really where most brands are right now is they have no community or very small. So it's going to be a long time until they get to that organic point where, you know, everybody just communicates amongst each other. Um, and that's sort of our job in a way is to kind of get them to that point. But that could be a multi-year journey and not many major brands are there right now. Agency Deal Masters is brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency. We help ambitious agencies talk to the right brands through the power of podcasting. Generate leads, win new business, and increase reputation. Check out our clients' podcasts and find more resources to keep learning at bridgegrowth.org. Now, back to the show. So so you said that Hype Partners are working with a lot of uh, companies in, in Web3 right now, crypto, blockchain businesses. But we've obviously seen a lot of luxury and fashion brands sort of doing a lot more activations in the metaverse and broadly Web3. Why are we seeing kind of so many examples of Gucci and, you know, high, uh, high-end fa- fashion brands um, play in this space? And, w- you know, what do you think are the other categories or business categories that would be next to venture into, into this area? Yeah. No, it's a good question, actually. I mean, I do sometimes wonder why specifically luxury brands have done it. I think it comes down to a couple of areas. One is you know, all of these brands are looking to always stay like at the forefront of like culture and, uh, you know, be, be relevant. So I think you sort of saw that maybe over the last one or two decades where, uh, you know, luxury brands have also tapped into kind of streetwear and like, and, and that kind of culture, like music culture or doing collaborations with other kind of what we see as sort of cool brands or sports stars. And I think, and, you know, now what we're seeing is people are seeing sort of like crypto, Web3, NFTs as like a next wave of culture. So they want to, you know, they want to find out what's going on there. And, you know, they're willing to kind of like test some things out. I think they also, it's also kind of clear that, you know, products like digital products can make up a um, a key part of that. And, you know, often they sell products. Um, so that's, I think, one side to it is, you know, like, is this going to be a big area? Like, you know, if metaverse is going to be kind of a big topic that, uh, for the next few decades, they should learn about it now. I think the second aspect to it is essentially they potentially see this as a, as their next wave of customer base. So for the big luxury brands, I, you know, I don't have the full statistics, but their average customer right now is someone who might be a boomer or you know, in in sort of an older generation um, who's always bought, you know. Uh, said luxury fashion, fashion brand, you know, they buy the handbags. So at some point, those people, you know, are not going to be around anymore, or there's going to be a new wave of consumer. So what will the next wave of consumers look like? And I think tapping into streetwear was a bit like um, a bit like that. They've they've managed to tap into um, you know a younger wave, maybe over the last decade, of people who are interested in those kinds of things or interested in music. And then the next wave might be people who are crypto native, or people who are NFT collectors or gamers. Yeah, exactly. And they, they're, you know, so Gen Z, like what is Gen Z doing today? And maybe Gen Z can't afford to buy, you know, the Gucci or the Louis Vuitton today, but in 10 years they might be able to. So why not be, for, uh, you know, front of mind and why not have kind of grown up with them um, along the way? And I think that's also part of it. Like it's not the sole focus either, um, but it's clearly in the back of their minds. It's a longer term play. And that's probably why we're seeing Gucci uh, having activations in, in Roblox 
right now, which I think yeah. has a demographic of around maybe like eight to 13 years old, that, that sort of, that sort of age, age bracket. Um, and when I first saw that initially, I was like, well, why are Gucci, these people can't afford a 13,000 pound Gucci handbag, but in 20, 30 years time, they, you know, if, if Gucci's at the forefront of their mind, they, they probably will be able to. So it makes complete sense from, from that point of view. Um, so some have said that the very idea of, of Web3 in the metaverse means that an ever-growing share of our lives, be it labor, leisure, our time, our wealth, our happiness, our relationships, will be spent inside virtual worlds. How much do you go along with that? Um, I actually go along with it quite a bit, to be honest. I, mean, I think it depends on who the people are. So there'll be, there would be people who would listen to this and think, oh, well, there's no way, like, I'm not going to spend my time, more of my time in a virtual world. And that's potentially true. Like, you know, just like for a long time, many people didn't really use the internet. You know, early days of in, uh, internet, like late 90s, there was just a certain set of uh, people who were interested in it. And then like e-commerce started. And then even for a long time, you know, people didn't trust e-commerce, right? You know, they, they didn't mm. want to put their credit card on a website online. They didn't buy anything online. I remember <laughs> And now people order everything online. You're trusting some random person with your credit card detail. I remember having that, that feeling. It's like, why am I giving some random person, some faceless individual on the internet, my credit card details? And now everyone does it without even batting an, an eyelid. Yeah. And then I think, you know, on top of that, then people started socializing online through social media. And, you know, from the beginning, you know, there was, a, I think in the beginning, you know, like your parents never had Facebook or whatever. And then now yeah. my parents have got Facebook. So there's that evolution. There's also dating, dating, yeah, uh, ent entertainment, yeah, entertainment, like Netflix and stuff, you know, yeah. people watch TV for, and move over. So lots of things that we spend our time on, apart from pretty much sleep, but even some ways <laughs> that's connected to the internet now for some people. Like, right. You know, everything has moved more and more online, right? And, and it, and like the smartphone or the laptop or whatever is the medium for interacting in what is essentially called Web2, but like, you know, the internet, right? And again, I don't know the numbers, but if you look at like how much time does the average person in all age groups spend on the internet, including like the time on the phone and stuff, like it must be a large percentage of most people's days now. Mm. Um, again, so if, if, if Web3, if the experiences in Web3 um, become more engaging than the experiences in Web 2. So imagine like if you could go to like a festival or you could go to a party in the metaverse and, you know, that became, you know, we're not really there right now, but imagine if the experience was way more fun than going on Facebook or Instagram and scrolling, then people w would shift to that. Like we don't have that experience yet. Sure. Then, then so that's what it comes down to. I think Web 3 will enable more fun experiences um, and, and more engaging things and new ways of doing stuff that people will sort of, you know, move over there because Facebook will become boring. Mm. Um, and that's, I think, where the evolution goes. The same as well, like, I, I don't know what they're going to be, but, you know, there's going to be people who are going to be able to kind of live or spend a, their whole day in the metaverse working and there will be jobs within there, like being community managers or doing all sorts of different things. Mm. It's kind of hard to say right now what those jobs will end up being. Yeah. So... I think we'll see a, a shift from people moving from doing smartphone and laptop type activities, whatever that might be, to moving, uh, you know, that into the metaverse as those experiences become better. There have been huge investment banks like JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley who have estimated that the, the market cap for the metaverse is something like $10 trillion. Um, so the size of it is, is potentially huge. Talk, talk a little bit about 
um, how you see the metaverse and the space evolving and the the next phase of businesses that will start to extract value from from the metaverse yeah so i think i mean this is the question that you know everybody asks and not, honestly at this point no one really knows the answer to um is you know some people say will there be one mess is the metaverse one thing or is it you know multiple things and, and to be honest i think at this point the only logical answer is there are going to be multiple metaverses but they're going to be interoperable between each other so mm. I mean, I think almost just like there are, you know, different shops you can go into, like there's different places you're going to be able to hang out um, for different uh, needs. So there might be one metaverse that's solely focused on music festivals. There might be another one that's a bit like a mall and you can go and do shopping there. Mm. And they all might be built on different technologies. But you should be able to, I think the way to think about it is everybody's going to have their own character. Everyone's going to have their own, you know, avatar that represents them in their in the digital world. So I think of you know think of it as like the digital world, um, and that avatar, you're going to want to build that up over time. You know you're going to want to you know invest in that just like you invest in yourself. You know I mean, most people get a haircut, uh, you know, buy new clothes, I guess shower some days. You know like people people do go to the gym. You know like people invest in themselves. Like you know most people do at least some of these activities. And I think, you know, as uh, more and more people have this sort of digital life in the metaverse, they're also going to want to invest in that, in, you know, in slightly different ways. Like maybe you don't need to eat in the metaverse and maybe you don't need to go to the gym, but maybe there's other things that you, other kind of consumer things that you, you want. So I was talking about the other day where in terms of automotive, like cars and stuff, will, does it make sense for automotive to be in the metaverse? And initially, we were thinking, yeah, maybe like apart from it being cool and having these digital concept car type things, what's the point? But speaking with some projects, some big metaverse projects, like they have the concept of virtual real estate, right? So virtual real estate, you know, you might have seen it around and talked about, but the idea is you can sell plots of land in, in, a, in a metaverse and, uh, you know, they go for a certain value right now. And there's been a big hype around them. Um, but really the plots of land that are, you know, in certain areas are worth more than plots of land in other areas because they're calling it in some, some places like the central business district or whatever. But why is that, right? If you're in a metaverse, surely you can just appear in any different things, but they have a concept of, of travel. So they have the concept of like, if you're at the center of the map, then that's worth more than being on the outskirts of the map, just like in most cities. Um, so if that, if the center is going to be more valuable than the outskirts, it means that people are going to have to travel from the outskirts inwards, which means travel is a val- uh, you know, has some kind of value, right. which means cars or flying cars, or who knows, should also have value because people are going to need that, that thing uh, to be able to travel around the metaverse and you know, maybe multiple metaverses. So I think there's a lot of you know, random business opportunities that like, m- people can't even think of yet. And then there's some from like, the traditional world that we already know that, that probably will have value there in some way and that will also evolve in different ways. And that's the thing, to your point, there are so many businesses and so many use cases that haven't even been thought of yet. Like in the early days of the internet, when people first started jumping on the internet with dial-up, I don't think those early pioneers would have thought that at some point there would be smartphones where people would be more interested in taking photos of themselves to, to post online, uh, which will create this tool called TikTok, which will become this global phenomenon. I don't think that was ever in the plans or it was, it was never really thought of as a possibility. 
when in the early days of the internet. And, and to your example, there are so many businesses and use cases now that we can't even conceive of because it doesn't really exist yet in, in its fully baked form. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this space evolves and, and how partners have positioned yourselves perfectly to sort of um, lead, lead the charge in this way. Well, just, just to add in there as well, what I talked about before and what I think is a way to look at it is like, right now the metaverse is like, it's pretty nascent. Um, you know, it, it, the experiences you can have there may be not as interesting as what you can have on TikTok, right? And that's why, the met, that's why people are looking and going, hmm, like, is this ever going to take off? But at some point, the experiences could become richer than the, the Web2 experiences. And when I, the reason I talk about experiences is because really all these uh, apps that we spend most of our time doing, you know, whether it be Netflix or whether it be, you know, social media, what's actually happening on there is like, it's, it's a dopamine hit. I, I'm not a scientist, but I, you know, I roughly know that it's like a dopamine hit. People watch mm. Netflix to get that dopamine hit of mm-hmm. like joy. Series are all structured in a certain way to give you that joy and make you want to watch the next one. serotonin, all of that. All that kind of stuff, yeah. And the yeah. same with same with social media. Like it's all about getting that hit. Um, and that's why people spend so much of their lives doing because, you know, like as as animals, you know, we, we want that hit. So once the hit, you know, in, in, a, in a way, once the hit is higher from the metaverse or from these other kinds of experiences because they are potentially richer experiences with the technologies that are being developed, then people will move over there. And then, then it becomes about, you know, that's just a bigger hit than what you got from, you know, scrolling on your Facebook newsfeed. Mm. And that's a really maybe like biological way to put it, to be honest, of like where we're going. And that's probably why the metaverse has started with gaming. You know, a lot of people are thinking about the metaverse coming, evolving from games like Roblox, um, Fortnite, um, uh, these sorts of kind of multiplayer, huge multiplayer games that are yep. taking place um, across the internet. And it's because they're fun. It's because it's an interesting, fun experience, fun way to spend your time um, while sharing with your friends. And I think if we can tap into more of what human beings are actually, actually want to do and organically move themselves towards, that's a really interesting way to start thinking about it. Super fascinating space. So last question before we get into our, our favorite questions at, at the end of the interview, tell us about the future of Hype Partners. How, how do you see the business evolving over the next five years or so? Yeah, I think... You know, for us, like we have, you know, maybe by chance or we've just, you know, right place, right time, but we've sort of built ourselves to be, um, you know, the biggest agency in Web3. And that area is still growing and there's still a lot of investment going into that. So we're going to carry on with that mission. But I think what we're also starting to see, as I said, like, you know, more mainstream brands and consumer brands wanting to kind of learn more about that. And I think we're going to see the merge of these two areas. So like as web, you know, this whole vision of web brew we've been discussing or metaverse comes to life over the next five to 10 years, there's going to be new opportunities and we want to sort of help enable that, you know, whether it be through community building or other kinds of services that, you know, we can offer over time. Um, I think the other thing as well is like, we are also interested in building our own products, um, like, you know, like software products and stuff. And I think our evolution is just going to be a, quite diversified organization that is solely focused on web three and enabling like the adoption of that, you know, globally, I guess. Super fascinating. To me. And I can't wait to see how the business changes and evolves over, over the next few years. Jake, I can't let you go without asking our favorite questions that we ask all of our guests. So um, let's get into our favorite questions that we ask everyone. 
I'm going to start with some interesting questions more about you and what you get up to in your private time. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from that experience. I would say one of the, you know, the, the biggest things really was going back to A-levels, going back to just before university. Right. And essentially not getting the grades I needed to go to a certain university. I've been there. Yeah. And then having to go through uh, sort of clearing, go to sort of a second choice. And that was the first time, I think, that I really sort of realized that I wasn't invincible in a way. <laughs> you know, you do have like invincibility when you're like a teenager or whatever. Right. And then realizing realizing I wasn't invincible. And that was really the uh, the kick up the backside that I kind of needed to to realize that, you know, you've got to put in a lot of effort and you are compete, you, you're competing against people. So when you're from a small town where I'm from, you're only competing against a small amount of people. And then as soon as you realize, oh, you don't just get what you want um, and there's a big world out there, it made me really realize that you have to be extremely competitive and you have to constantly be trying to uh, sort of outcompete the right people around you. Otherwise, you won't get, you know, you won't get your first choice university or you won't get your first choice. Mm. So that was a really big life lesson. And, you know, is 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 why, well, we discussed this before the the call as well, you know, we you know, about like, you know, other other activities I do in my spare time. It's why I don't do that much and I really focus on work because I know mm. there's gonna be someone out there who's gonna be outworking me or outcompeting me. Mm. So for good or bad, that's uh, that's how uh, I took that failure. Love that. And by the way, like one of our favorite questions is tell us about your favorite books or what do you watch on Amazon and Netflix? And as you say, we discussed before the call that actually you don't do e either of those things because you don't have the time and you're spending uh, the majority, the vast majority of your time growing the agency. Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, and it's not that, uh, I mean, I think reading books, you know, like we've, we've probably all spent time listening to podcasts and you know, reading about this, it's, it's great to read books. I'd love to read a book a week. But, you know, setting aside an hour for that, like I personally think it's a great long-term activity to have and you should set aside time for it if you, if you can. But I know every hour that I'm not spending on like sales or doing pitches for clients or coming up with ideas on that side, like I know that hour is, for me is better spent on, on that work rather than the hour I get from a book. It'd have to be a pretty phenomenal book, um, you know, and you can only, I can only read, I'm not a fast reader, so I'm going to read 30 pages an hour. So those 30 pages, there's got to be a lot of value that I, you know, couldn't extract in other ways. So I will go back to it, but I just choose to spend as much of my spare time right now. Like I have my wife and I spend time with her. I have, you know, my friends and, you know, social life. And most of the rest of the time I'm working or, you know, maybe I go to the gym. But, uh, but yeah, like Netflix, I, I massively dial down my Netflix consumption Gaming, I gave up a long time ago, and 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 books as well. Everybody has their you know their way of doing stuff, and I don't think there's a right or wrong. And I think there's a season for everything, right? I mean, as you said before, you spent years and years reading uh, lots of books and listening to lots of podcasts, and now you're in a season where you're growing hype partners, and it's not so much about that now. It may come back again at some point in the future, yeah, but for sure. For for right now, it's it's not there, which is super fascinating. Last couple of questions and then I'll, I'll let you go. What advice would you give to a young person or millennial who wants to start their career in an agency or an agency that specializes in Web3? I think with any, well, any career really, I think, so this will be an even broader answer, but for any young person who wants to start a career, is, it's hard, like I always remember like applying for jobs in the beginning, like it's hard to get the first job anyway or even the first couple of jobs. But, I think you should always try and work for someone you kind of look up to 
or you think mm. you can learn from. Like I've had bosses who were really strict, not always the nicest people, but I learned a lot from them. And I think that's always ideal. Like if you can somehow like choose, try and work for someone you can really learn something from. I think that's kind of key. And that applies to agency or probably any career. And then when it, when it comes to Web3, yeah, like look at, uh, look at uh, you know, an agency within Web3, like look at an area where you can grow in as well. You know, so it doesn't really apply on Web3, but, you know, going into a print agency right now, you know, who maybe does like newspaper or like magazine stuff. I mean, it could be cool, but it, it might not be the biggest growth area. And that's what I've tried to do is like looking at like what, what's the future path to go down? You know, people who got into AI or people who've got into crypto because they're going to keep growing. Um, and, and, you know, as long as you don't get it completely wrong, you're going to have a career for a long period um, by choosing a growth area rather than a declining area. Well said. And my final question, Jake, what is it you know about the world of Web3 today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career or four years ago when you started Hype Partners? I wish I'd been more convinced by it in the beginning. And that sounds like odd. But I think a lot of people, you know, the, you can read the media, you can ask people in, in the pub or whatever, like mm. everybody's skeptical about crypto and, and this whole area, like, you know, will it, is it really just, uh, you know, some hype that won't like disappear and everything. Mm. And in the beginning, I also was like, oh, I'm not really sure. Like, it sounds interesting. Mm. But now I've got much more, uh, way more conviction about the whole space and know a lot more about it. So I think I also have some friends who had a very high conviction from day one. And they've arguably done better than me. And I think that's, a, you know, maybe a good thing. Like if you're going to go into something, have high conviction and go all in basically, um, you know, mentally. And, you know, the outcome's likely to be better than if you are, you know, too apprehensive about like, you know, or, or worrying too much. I think also if you're like a young person, you have the ability to fail multiple times. So go all in. And it might not work out, but then go all in again at some point and just keep doing that until it does work out. That's great advice and a, and a great place to end as well. Jake, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, looking forward to speaking again soon. We have been speaking with Jake Start. He is currently the CEO of Hype Partners. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 160 such conversations we've had now with world-class leaders in the agency space. Please follow me on LinkedIn, head over to agencydealmasters.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Tyler Baller is our booker. Christoph Boraszczyk is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. You were listening to Agency Deal Masters, brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency 